All right, now I'm calling Mark and Dustin to the stage to do their song of Say So. Woo! You guys coming up? All right, just a reminder, everyone, we have karaoke every Monday night. Uh, Take it away, Dustin and uh, Mark. Don't fuck it up. Didn't even know it, the punches that you're rolling. Run to saying something, why don't you say so? Didn't even know it, the punches that you're rolling. Done to say something, you wanna say so? Didn't even know it, the punches that you're rolling. It's, it's just us doing that for like 30 minutes. I am so sorry for anyone who had to hear that. Um, that <laughs> is me and my friend Mark, who's going to be on this episode uh, this week, where we are going to be talking about a lot of different things. Uh, let's see, TikTok, bisexuality, um, the Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, we're going to be touching on a lot of different things, so it's really, really cool. And it's been a while since I've posted an episode uh, that had a guest on it because of the current COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we're trying to be as careful as we can as far as uh, social distancing, wearing masks, things like that, and sometimes recording one-on-one uh, with somebody in a closed environment is not a good idea. Uh, fortunately, Mark is someone who uh, I am good friends with, and we have spent a lot of time together, so I figured it would be safe for us to break out the podcast equipment because I have always, always, always wanted to get him in front of the recording equipment and ask him all the questions I want to ask him. Uh, and of course, the first time I put him in front of the equipment, uh, that's what we come up with, that little jingle that you heard right there at the front. That's us attempting a really bad karaoke. Um, anyway, before we get started, before I uh, play the interview, I just wanted to say um, a couple of things. Um, first off, I hope everybody is happy and healthy, and I hope that everyone's staying inside. I hope that um, if any, anyone is feeling unwell, you are self-quarantining until you have either a positive or a negative uh, test result uh, for... Uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. I hope that we can kind of band together as a people and kind of like really bunker down and uh, stay inside when we don't feel good. Make sure that if we do go outside, we're wearing masks, social distancing, so that we can come out of this uh, pandemic and we can be healthy again and happy and we can go on to living our lives. Um, But we do have to play our part in that. Um, And so I hope that everybody is playing their part. Uh, but I do want to say, so this interview was recorded before um, a lot of the news broke out that President Trump had was planning on banning TikTok. Um, and I just want to say a couple things on that. Um, I think the main concern was it was a, I read it was a national security risk that Trump had stated it was a national security risk um, that a Chinese company would have a bunch of data on American citizens. Um, I do want to say that uh, I am pretty... Uh, I'm pretty good at researching and um, making sure that like I get like an unbiased news source. Um, and so just from what I've looked at, th- there have been no, a lot of cybersecurity ex- experts, there's been no real report of this being uh, a current threat. Um, a lot of people that work in that um, kind of field have, have not reported kind of the same feelings that the president has towards the company. Um, I do... Uh, also know that um, it's kind of interesting that we have like uh, you know a major political of, uh, official who is worried about um, data of American citizens because I just want to throw it out there that you know anyone with a Facebook or Instagram or Twitter 
and I have some of those, um, your data is there as well. Um, the only difference is, is it's an American company. Um, and we talk about that uh, a little bit later on in the episode. Um, it kind of comes up. We go through a lot of really, really interesting topics. Mark is a really cool guy. Mark uh, found, whenever we initially got uh, stuck in quarantine, he, he was one of those that found a little bit of uh, TikTok fame. <laughs> um, he kept posting some videos, which we talk about, of course, um, and was just kind of like, kind of stuck in quarantine, got really creative. He's a really creative guy. Um, and I love him. He's such a, he's such a good friend of mine. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really kind of interesting how things happened, uh, for him, especially, I think he's got like, it's not a crazy number, but I think he's got like 200,000 followers on TikTok, And then a few of that has translated to, um, like Instagram, but followers aside, a lot of the stuff that he has uh, posted has been used in a lot of like major like media platforms and has gone around on Twitter. Um, because he was a really, really big whenever the Black Lives Matter protests were going on specifically in Atlanta. Um, he was out there uh, in support as well as like, you know, filming and documenting a lot of what's happening. I do want to say one more thing and then I'll shut up and I'll play the interview. Um, not to get too political. I just want to throw it out there. I um, I took a, a, a class last year uh, this time um, and I... Um, my I had like a final assignment like a final paper and the paper that I wrote was over um basically the civil war in Syria um and al-Assad who is the president slash like dictator in Syria um I just thought it was interesting that one of the things that he did uh was ban social media um and you know things like Facebook Twitter anything where people were able to organize um, anything where people were able to share information with each other that was not maybe monitored by the government there. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. And I think it's little things like that we kind of have to pay attention to uh, when we have someone talking about kind of banning a social media platform that a lot of people are using that is very popular um, is that social media is fun. And we use social media to talk about our lives. We use social media to keep in contact with friends. We use social media to, you know, kind of see what everyone's up to. We post a cute selfie, whatever we post. But there's a lot of news um, and reporting that goes on in social media as well. Um, and a lot of times it can be a really good source of unbiased information. Sometimes it's not, but sometimes it is. You know, when you have raw footage of something that happened that hasn't been edited, um, that's really, really important. Uh, to kind of making sure people are aware of what's going on um, and they're able to form their own opinions. Um, and while TikTok is really fun and it's dancing and it's funny and it's comedy, um, there's also a lot of things that are um, on there that kind of we I talk about with Mark um, as far as like documenting kind of events that are happening and current events. Um, but anyway, so I just want to throw that little um, nugget of information out there. Um, with that, I do want to say um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode um and thanks again to mark uh, also if you want to check out mark mark's website is markhasideas.com i use that name against him all the time um, but it's great and uh, with that this is my interview uh with mark murphy this week on american youth But 
the North. The North. Did did they call uh, librarians media specialists in your high school? No, they were just librarians. Oh, they uh, they didn't really have a special title. Oh, um, well, they did down here. So maybe I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> um, anyway, hey Mark. Hey Dustin, how, how you doing? are you? I'm it's, doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, we're also live streaming to your TikTok, which we will talk about in a second. But and that's the first time I've ever live streamed the podcast. So thank you for letting uh, me do that. Oh well, thank you for offering. All right, now we've exchanged pleasantries. <laughs> um, so let's talk about like your TikTok for just a second. So TikTok is this new platform that has like kind of blown up in the past like what year? Yeah, fairly new, fairly new, and it, it used to be musically, and then it transferred over to being like the new Vine, basically. <laughs> okay, because I know I see like constantly, I'm constantly getting like stuff from it. Like somebody will send you something like on Instagram or Twitter, and it is of a TikTok. And it's hilarious usually. Um, but there's a lot of things I've seen on TikTok that are just tragic. Tragic as in cringeworthy? Yeah, so cringy. Cringe content. But if you're anything like me, I like to cringe. Yeah, and that's being pushed to you. And I think that's the interesting thing about TikTok. There's two people that don't like TikTok. The ones that say, oh, I'm too old for TikTok. Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of like tweens dancing mm -hmm. and then the people who are like china's taking my data their communist parties using it like they're taking my information and um you know i have like my employer currently she's in her 30s she gets pushed stuff uh, that's being created by content creators in their 30s like uh, you and me yeah. we're 26 27 mm -hmm. and we're being pushed stuff made by people who are 26 27 yeah you're right well it's also like i know like like welcome to like this TikTok or like, welcome to like this TikTok. Anyway, so let's preface why we're talking so much about TikTok. Um, so you have had a fair amount of success on TikTok. Um, a little bit. You're pushing like 200K followers? Yeah, I would safely say that I have 190,000 followers at the moment. <laughs> okay. Um, and then I saw you had like, when we were just looking at the thing, there's like 6.3 million likes. Yeah, or something. I, I got a large number of likes. So I think... Do you think, I'm going to ask you this, then I'm going to ask you something else. Do you think that this is because everybody was kind of locked down? So do you think that like anybody who's creative like you are, um, and we'll talk about your creative past and stuff too, but anybody who's kind of a creative when they're stuck in like a situation when we were kind of quarantined, like March, April, um, to where it's just like, okay, I need some type of outlet. And then so you know, you have your Twitters and your Instagrams and stuff, but there's this new platform, newish platform that's like, oh, TikTok. And so you just start creating. Um, and then you kind of, you know, it's like some people I see like are really kind of like get really kind of successful with it, as successful as you can be on like TikTok. And then some people just kind of like, like myself, just get frustrated because no one's watching my stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you think that like the kind of like sudden boom in TikTok is due to like kind of, like us being like forced indoors and on our phones a lot? A hundred percent. Yeah. Cause so many people weren't on it because they saw it as something, you know, the younger Gen Zers were using and then everyone just got so bored. They just gave in. They're just like, fine, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. do the TikTok thing. And you know, the content got more, more diverse. Um, and just, it just keeps getting more appealing. Like mm -hmm. the more content creators there are. And I think that does have to do with a, the, the minor success I've had on TikTok is that I just kept making random videos and saw what stuck and deleted what didn't 
stick, basically. I mean, my first viral video was completely by accident. It was a video of my friend, like, had spilt Skittles, and I spelt the word fuck in, like, Skittles and yeah. put it in reverse. And, you know, that's kind of, like, a funny thing on TikTok is that sometimes a stupid video you have that you throw in reverse is the one that's going to go viral. I, I didn't expect it to go viral at all. It just kind of blew up. So with that one... So what what happens to your reaction when you're like, oh, wow, this video is getting like a lot of traction? I was kind of there with you during this process because off this and camera, we are friends. Um, last time I checked. And then um, so wh when you start seeing this, you're like, what? Because I remember at one point when you were first showing me, you were like, OK, I have like 13,000 followers after that video. And then you started you made another one that we'll talk about. And then you shot. You just kept going and going and going. Um, and I like, you know, you'd, you'd come back one day and it's like 50,000. Then you come back the next day, it's 70,000. Then you come back the next day, it's a hundred thousand. Then you come back the next day and it's like 150,000. And so it just kind of kept building. Like what, what, what is your like reaction when you start to see these like numbers go up and people interacting with your stuff? Embarrassed. Really? I, like incredibly embarrassed. Like I want to be proud of it. Uh, but I also like don't want to be bragging about being like, hey, look at this. Because I know it's like nothing. I look at the the big time TikTok creators like Charlie D'Amelio. Millions and millions of followers. I think some of her videos have already reached billions of likes. And I'm just like, well, I'm nothing on this platform yet. But, you know, compared to, you know, some of my friends, like I'm doing very well on it. And I'm in the advertising industry. I'm an art director and a graphic designer and it's something I can use for my career but I don't really have a, a set series that I do um, like I'm a content creator so I just kind of come up with random ideas I, I feel like consistency is something that really lacks from my TikTok profile because yeah the first one was the Skittles video and then the second one to go viral was the Timothy Chalamet thing yeah. And none of it was really planned. Like it wasn't until after Timothy Chalamet that I started really planning things out and like trying to make them go viral. So you, so let's talk about Timothy Chalamet for a second <clears throat> and how that came about. Um, so you posted a video on TikTok that went, it's got like what, 8 million views now? I think the Chalamet one's only got like 4 million. Oh, 4 something. million. Um, wow. I just doubled your viewers, your viewership. <laughs> um, so you basically like, do you want to go into like, yeah, no, you, totally. Dude, can we expose because like how that happened? Totally, because yeah. you're like the main source of it. We, I mean, I'll set it up. We were just sitting outside. We were talking with another one of our friends, and they start talking about Timothy Chalamet and how, oh, he's this gorgeous human being, and they're all in love with Timothy Chalamet. And I didn't really know who this person was <laughs> other than that he was in a, a hit movie this past summer. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, you know what would be funny if I mess with Dustin and I make it look like Timothy Chalamet followed me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so I like got on my computer. I did some light coding, like manipulation when you go into the, uh, basically you can just make it look like a famous person followed you for a quick second and then just made a video out of it. And I, I totally made it. I made it with the intention of just sending it to you and getting a quick laugh. I actually wanted to get a reaction video of you. That was like the intended purpose. But then I threw it up there. I don't know who the hell got a hold of it, but it just blew up. Well, because it was hilarious. And I want to say, so, um, Timothy Chalamet, I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> um, no, Timothy Chalamet, I, we, me and you and another friend, 
and I were kind of, well, well, me and our other friend were just kind of like gawking at like Timothy Chalamet is like, you know, and we were even arguing about like, we want Timothy Chalamet to, you know, we were doing this whole situation. And I really, I had no interest in him. Like, really? I, I don't find him that attractive. Well, or... I see, it's like, so I'm not really attracted to him. I want to be him. <laughs> like, I want to look like him. Oh, oh, okay. You're, yeah. You're enamored by his uh, his style. His beauty and his style. Beauty. Yeah, yeah. So, um... I want those luscious locks. Yeah, the locks. Um, But, so, yeah, he... So, you posted this, and so you sent it to me. Did you send it to me on TikTok, or just... it doesn't? I, I think doesn't I made matter. it into a TikTok, and then I sent it over to you. So, I am at my parents' house, and literally the night before this, we were just... We, were, we, we talked for probably an hour and a half about Timothy Chalamet. Literally, and this is just how, like, lame we are. Like... Literally for a solid hour, we're talking about how beautiful Timothy Chalamet is and like how we love him and want to be him, whatever. And then I get this video from you the next morning that's like, yeah, so I like sent a message to Timothy Chalamet and now he is like following me on Instagram. And I was so mad. Really? I was mad because I was like, really? He's following you? Like he needs to follow me. You know, like I was like. I cannot believe that. And then, so the first thing I did naturally was like go to Timothy Chalamet's Instagram and like look at it. And I'm like, it's not there. And then you finally admitted to me that it was like a little coding thing. Yeah. And it, it was like a very easy thing to fake. But then I saw it blow up on TikTok and I'm like, okay, how can I keep this like story rolling? How can I make it interesting? How but can you, I turn you did this make into it funny. I think you kind of. Yeah. I, I, you know, I tried to explain away why I was no longer on like his, his following list. I think I like made up that my name was under a different account. I think he unfollowed that person too. Cause I was like, Oh, like the name is this account and everything. Like there was a whole conspiracy behind yeah. it. And, um, then I like just started making these funny videos where it's just like, he sent me some fruit. He yeah, sent yeah, me yeah. a hat. We're starting a book club. <laughs> and it's funny. Cause you sent me an article that was like, yeah, an art, wrote an article someone wrote an article it. like it was clearly like one of those like um sensationalism journalism yeah yeah, yeah clickbaiting and then but i mean what an honor you got to be the uh, like kind of the topic of clickbait yeah no it, and that went international that's when all of a sudden i saw all these like french comments start popping up yeah like it, it really blew up overseas like and uh, it's funny, I kept like checking Timothy Chalamet's t uh, Instagram to see if he posted anything about it. I also thought it was good because Timothy Chalamet is, is famously not on TikTok yeah. or was taken off it. I'm not really sure what the story is there. Like I said, I'm not very invested in this person, <laughs> but um, his viewers like shot up like by a million um, I don't think it was because of me, but I think it was because of me. <laughs> <laughs> we can say it's because of you and that'll be fine. Um, but yeah, no, so you kind of have this like thing going and then you, so, and, and that's the thing too, is I think like you were talking about consistency a little bit before, like earlier before we started recording of that on TikTok, it's like, I see when I see consistency, like when it comes to like comedic content or like, you kind of have to have a theme, you know, it's like, I see like architectural TikTok. I see like, you know, I see gay TikTok, which is like all I see, which is just gay jokes. And, um, I see, um, like all this different stuff. And so with yours, it's kind of difficult because yours is like, it's like you, you're not in a niche like market or something. So it's like, what TikTok would you be like a part of, you know, like, yeah, I mean, um, I struggled with that for a while because I was trying to figure out, okay, what's my thing? What's like consistent content I can like pull from and post? Like, what's my specialty? And, you know, my specialty is just making interesting stuff. I'm in advertising. I have mm -hmm. to constantly think of like different brands and different targets. 
So I think that kind of became my thing where it's just like, you know what, I'm just going to keep creating randomness and stories and, you know, not have a consistent thing and just let this kind of weirdness and uh, delightful, interesting little thing keep it going as long as I could keep yeah. it going. And then I want to point out really quick before we kind of go back and talk about you, you did, you had a lot of coverage on the Black Lives Matter protests and we went to a protest together Um but you were going every day, um, like to these protests every single day. Um, I So we went to one, and then I don't know, the one that we went to, um, we were like tear gassed, and your friend was shot with rubber bullets. And I think um, that was kind of a moment, I don't know about you, but for me, because you were there a lot more than I was, that of just like the reality of like what's happening in our like, like in our society, you know, is it's like, and your coverage, I think, was important because you're getting that, like, firsthand coverage, like, and a lot of it is, like, it's completely unbiased. It's, like, this is what's happening, you know? Like, there's no, you didn't post any comments or anything, like, oh, this is what so-and-so said or whatever, you know? Like, you, it's literally just firsthand, like, a firsthand witness account of this is what's happening. So, um, so like, with that, I think it's interesting because you can kind of go and see because I think there was a lot of, like, a lot of this, I hear a lot of talk of like, oh, it's like a, you know, terrorist group or something, or like people are just messing stuff up and all that. But it's like, you can see through your content that that's not what was happening. Like it was very much, the Black Lives Matter protests here in Atlanta were very much uh, peaceful and it was about unity and it was about spreading awareness to a cause. And I think that you're kind of like what you were posting was really important to that. And I think a lot of people were picking up on it. Um, yeah, so kind of like what I said before, like my content has just become content for content's sake. And, uh, Timothy Chalamet was buzzworthy at the time. It still is buzzworthy, but you know, black lives matter was just what was happening around Atlanta. And I really wanted to see what was happening, happening and record it. Uh, I think it's very important for people to record what's happening. Um, I also had a, like a falling out with one of my friends. They were like, you need to be blurring these faces. And I'm like, I, I don't think that's what people need to be seeing is a bunch of blurred faces. You know, I'm not trying to get anyone in trouble. I'm not trying to record anybody with the intent of, you know, having them tracked down. And I tried to be very like cautious about that. And, and it made me like very worried. Um, but I also had many people I talked to after seeing those videos, they came up to me and they were thanking me. They're just like, thank you. I finally had some content I could show to my conservative family or conservative mm -hmm. people I know and be like, this is a friend of mine. Like this isn't third hand. Like this is a friend of mine who was there and this is what he saw. Yeah. And they were just like, keep doing that. So I got a lot of encouragement from other people to keep going back out. And yeah, I did have that kind of mental switch where I went first as an observer and then you know, seeing how the public was being treated by the police there, like the aggression that was used towards them and towards like the larger group. I like, it's something clicked in my mind where I'm just like, this isn't right. This is scary that there's all this authority over us. And, um, you know, I just started like thinking back to the, the history of like the police in America. And uh, yeah, I became very like involved. I showed up, I tried to get like video every time I could. And um, I tried to like put out more videos that were like very positive. But uh, the sad fact is people kind of like want to see the more aggressive videos. And it wasn't that I was going out looking for that. It's just- It was, was there. It? Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was literally, yeah. And it was happening around me. I did post a bunch of like the nicer sides of the protests, but uh, they just didn't get shared as much. 
I think that just kind of says a lot about media, you know, yeah. people will like and share the stuff that, um, is controversial and aggressive. Um, and you know, it's like, we got into that black lives matter protest and I think everybody's content was kind of just like, okay, we're focusing on this. Like everyone kind of like did the whole content blackout thing where they were trying to figure out, you know, as the protests went on, when is the right time for me to start posting funny stuff again? Uh, and I think that happens with any kind of uh, major event in U.S. history, like 9-11. Like people were trying to figure out when, when can we start doing sitcoms again? When can we start, you know, putting out entertainment? When when and I was struggling with that because I had gone right from doing a series about like bisexuality mm -hmm. <laughs> into like this local reporting on the Black Lives Matter protest in Atlanta. And it, it was a very weird switch. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's what and also like we live here, you know, so that's what's that stuff is like right down the street, you know, like it's it's like, you know, you see things sometimes in media or it's like, oh, this is happening here. This is happening there. And, and it, you see something that's like you know, an event like the protest, there's protests happening and it's like, Oh, that's literally 10 minutes down the street. Yeah. Um, and I also want to say, yeah, it's like, it's that firsthand. And well, back to when you kind of had a friend that was like, Hey, blur people's faces. You know, I kind of just want to say in your or whoever else's defense, it's kind of like everybody there had their phone out and was recording. This started because of, because we are now being seen, we are now being able to see through like social media and like record our phones are in our pocket. You know, we have a camera in our pocket. We are now being able to see like systematic violence targeted towards like black people. Um, so, and it's, it's become kind of a battle of the content because everyone, like you said, everyone has their phones out mm -hmm. on both sides and yeah. everyone's using the power of their phone and like the ability to record high quality video footage at any time against each other. Yeah. And, um, I, I just kind of saw it as, you know, I need to have as much footage of what I see happening as possible and not have it look sketchy, not have it blurred out, have it, you know, as honest as I can. As unedited and raw as possible. Yeah. And yeah, and I think so too. And I think for, you know, for a movement that was started because video footage was being posted, you know, and it's like, it's interesting because, um, I, I saw someone post and I, I know everyone has a story like this. I saw someone post something about like, oh, it's interesting how like, you know, all of a sudden there's all these like, you know, everyone's mad at the police and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like, I think first off, not all of a sudden, but second off, these things have been happening. The only difference is that we haven't had our phone there to record it. So now we're filming and we have ed evidence of this is what happened. You know, like the situation with George Floyd and it's on video. You know, if if you had witnesses there that were like, this is what happened. It, it would have gotten like swept under the rug, you know, but someone has a video and is like, no, I can prove it to you. This is what happened. Like, it's not word for word. This is a video. This is what happened. Um, and so when you show up in, in support of kind of like, you know, understanding a system that is systemically targeted towards like the oppression of a certain group or other minority groups, you know, like when you, if you're there and you're supporting it, you know, you, if you're going to be filmed, you're going to be filmed. You know, I think like whether you're the person who is storming the Capitol in Michigan, uh, with like Nazi symbols on you and automatic weapons versus if you're protesting it for the, uh, for the black lives matter movement, 
you can't you can't be like oh I want to be there and support but I don't want anyone to know yeah you know I, I kind of got a taste of the, uh, what um, what I could only imagine journal journalism is like too because one of my um, one of the videos I took during the Black Lives Matter protest it was in Decatur and it was of um, this group who had announced themselves like in the video I posted saying like we are the new Black Panther Party and they kind of used that name without doing like research into it because um, there was already an existing group called the new black panther party and um, they have their own beliefs that were very um, one-sided and like i wouldn't even say they were far right i don't even know the right word to put it but basically like basically people thought that this group was aligned with that group and it made them look very bad and I found out that my roommate knew one of the women in that group, the one, the main person who was speaking. And uh, I was able to ask her and they're like, no, no, like, because um, like news outlets started hitting me up saying, hey, we want to use your video. Like, we'll pay to use your video about this article we're writing. I went to my roommate who uh, is in like the film industry here in Atlanta. And she's like, I wouldn't do it. You know, you don't know how they're going to spin that story if they won't let you read the content that they're going to post about it. Yeah, because it. they weren't going to let you read it before they posted but it. But they were going to put my name all over it. And it came out later that, um, you know, they weren't part of that group. They were um, just an activist group here in Atlanta promoting, you know, Second, Men yeah, Second Amendment rights for all people. And um, they had to, like, rename themselves, I think, a couple of times. They were even on a couple podcasts where they publicly, like, apologized to, like, the original Black Panthers and saying that they weren't part of this other group. And um, part of me felt this responsibility where it's just like, you know, I caught a video of them, you know, giving a speech where they misrepresented themselves. And then that was like, just, it blew up on Twitter. Um, it went like around and uh, people used it against them for them. And I tried as hard as I could to put the correct information like adjacent to it being like, Hey, listen, this is the update. This is what's happening with it. Like they've renamed themselves. They are not part of that group, but you can't really control how people are going to take your media and use it. That's kind of like the scary thing uh, about getting a platform more popular is that um, more people have access to yeah, it. You have more responsibility too. Yeah. Well, I mean, also it's like you can, you could take any piece of footage and, you know, put it on like a super biased media platform and say, look at this, this is what, you know, and you can spin a story anyway. Um, I think that this is a whole other conversation that we should have another time, but yeah. you know, the media is, we, we got to have some like accountability in the media of like accurately portraying stories as they happen. And I think that accounts but where we're on a 24-hour cycle where it's just like you got to get it out now yeah you have to go now because yeah abc i think it was abc another news a big news source hit me up about that black lives matter um black panther story and they wanted to use my video um but i i saw their post like two weeks too late and they were it was, it was not in the news anymore it just wasn't buzzworthy so they didn't hit me back about it yeah so it, you know and it's like it's accurate, like report, you know, reporting that I think is really important. It's like instead of having a commentary on an event, let's just show the event and let people think. What do you think about that? What do you think about what you just saw? Um, do you think that was fair? Do you think that was just? Um, do you think that that should be happening in our society? Um, are you mad about it? Do you feel any way about it? Um, you know, so it's kind of like as opposed to having someone say this is the footage, and then you have a commentator who is like, and this is how you should feel about it. You know. Mm. Um, but that was, I think, the good thing about about TikTok that you were able to use. And TikTok and Twitter and, and a lot of platforms are really good about it. 
I actually did a paper on like the Syrian conflict um, and Twitter and social media is a huge outlet for them to get unbiased news. Yeah. Um, because, and I think they've banned it in a lot of those areas, but, um, but it, for a long time, it was like, it's like the only way we can get any accurate news reporting. That's not like propaganda or set up by the federal government is through social media outlets. Um, but they can be abused too. You know, it's just, you just have to be careful. Um, yeah, there was this paranoia around TikTok and, um, people saying, uh, or, the administration saying that they were going to ban it because of its links to the communist party of China. And, you know, I looked at that and, you know, I just did some light, light looking into it. And I'm like, none of that is true. You know? Well, also it's like, if anyone's stealing information, it's like, what, you're not going to delete your Facebook, you know, like you're not going to, yeah, I think that's where that people, a huge thing. I think people go there a lot where they're just like, I, I don't care about my data. I don't care about this stuff. Like everyone's taking our data and using it. Um, I don't think for very like nefarious purposes. I think they're feeding it right back to my industry, which is advertising and just using, they're selling it, you know, yeah, it, it's marketing. It's, yeah. And, uh, your data has value to marketers and that's the main thing. They, um, can predict trends. They can see what you like. They're really just trying to paint a picture of you and how they can sell to you and all your friends at the same time. And, you know, um, it sounds very dark and scary, but it's just marketing. That's just what marketing has become is, um, you know, what information can we use to like get to you and entertain and sell to you better? Yeah. Um, so let's Tarantino a little bit. Let's go back and talk about Mark. Um, so where is Mark from? Uh, I grew up in Boston originally and, uh, I slowly moved my way down South. I come from, a. uh, just construction family in Boston, Massachusetts. You know, I grew up going to Catholic schools um, ever since preschool into high school. And then I remember touring Catholic colleges and I'm just like, All right, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do art. I want to yeah. be creative. And uh, I ended up getting a scholarship to uh, Savannah College of Art and Design and uh, going to their Savannah, class, Savannah campus. And uh, I got that scholarship through just making weird content i made a what was it it was a handbag out of construction gloves oh really yeah it, gucci they, or louis vuitton didn't try to pick it up they had a uh, an accessory design competition for their scholarship and it was the only scholarship competition that was still open that i could apply to that semester or quarter and um i remember talking to my mother and my mother's just like you know it'd be cool if you like lace gloves together or something and i was like okay i like that idea so I just kind of went out, grabbed some construction gloves and um, sewed together this purse. It was like the first purse or only purse I had ever made. Do you still have it? Or uh, did they I, take I it? I have an image of it on my, it's probably sitting around my family's house somewhere, but I have an image of it on my website, which is uh, markhasideas.com and it's in my art section. But um, yeah, that was actually one of the proudest moments of my whole life. Like finally someone recognized like something I had made, like uh, my creativity and awarded me the first place like in this like very hefty scholarship to go to scat to go to art school yeah which um if i hadn't have gone that scholar if i hadn't had gotten that scholarship i wouldn't have gone there you know my life would have been completely different because you know i moved down to georgia i lived there for five years i um did the whole art school lifestyle you know just kind of drinking drugs making weird art installations and um really just kind of living the artist life in that little bubble that is Savannah, Georgia. And uh, then kind of life kept going, you know, uh, like, as you know, like I got married and then 
what we moved back up to Boston and then you know that we went our separate ways that kind of fell apart and uh, I had to switch gears again you know um, I wanted to be in an ad agency but I had left SCAD without having a really solid conceptual advertising portfolio so I ended up working at a comic book shop in um, North Carolina you know I just like we had moved out of Boston down to North Carolina I tried working for startups uh, but we were just kind of in this college town and there wasn't a lot there for me but a friend of mine who like was going off to hike the Appalachian Trail was just like hey you can have my job at the comic book shop and I got this lovely little gig at uh, Atomic Empire in North Carolina and uh, just kind of sat there and started to rot. I was just like, I wasn't being, I wasn't able to be creative and I was just slowly just like. Bleh. Well, did you think too, you're like around all these comics, which is like creativity and you're like, you're I like looking at this stuff everywhere and you're like, I like am not supposed to be sitting here. Yeah. I wanted to be with the creators because um, it, it was a very successful board game and card game shop. So we would have people like play testing their new games. We would have game creators come in. We would constantly get these new, very interesting comics, like Beyond the World of Superheroes, where it's just people telling these outrageous and creative stories and uh, you know beautiful, different, very different art styles. And um, you know, I kind of fell in love with all of that and got very comfortable. But then um, you know, my marriage fell apart. My life kind of fell apart, and I needed a new plan. And someone. Uh, my second cousin was just like, hey, my friend went to this place called the Creative Circus and is doing insanely well for himself right now. It's an advertising portfolio school. Why don't you go there and figure out your life and you know get a portfolio together? And I was like, that sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> and uh, I, I was kind of um, desperate for just kind of like direction. And uh, I remember I just kind of like picked a day, packed up the car, and left drove to atlanta and uh didn't look back yeah well welcome <laughs> um you've been here for a while but um been here for like a year about a year yeah now. but so and that's interesting too that you like you talk about like because a lot of people i think for me um one thing that i was really interested in when i was younger like probably 18 19 was like um film and stuff like a, a broadcast journalism like mm -hmm. stuff like that so i was really interested in it and so i remember touring these like not to name them, but like touring these schools, you know, um, and kind of just feeling like something about it felt right, but something about it didn't, I don't know. And I just think about how different things could have been. So it's, so when you talk about, you had never made a handbag before. No. So where do you, do you go online and Google for this competition? Do you go online and Google like how to make a handbag or do you just kind of put it together? I mean, I feel like everyone has an idea of like how, what a handbag looks like and, you know, but like, I, I kind of do the whole thing of like putting the, I'll, I'll build an entire cart before I even buy a horse. And, mm -hmm. uh, I, I really like dive headfirst in it. It's a, it's a problem I have with my advertising teachers where they're just like, okay, like you're getting into execution too quick. You need to like come back to the concept. Cause I, I just love to build and work with my hands. I think it's cause like I grew up doing construction and just kind of, uh, following other people's plans like finally i was just like i'm in control it's like that scene where it's like this is your dream and you're like no dad this is your dream <laughs> and then you like do your own thing <laughs> yeah actually that, that was kind of like a fear for a while um i i'm insanely grateful to my family they have been incredibly supportive uh through all the changes that i've gone through in the past couple of years and um very like accepting of that you know and uh yeah, I mean, 
Sorry, I just like took that pause where I'm just like, I love my family so yeah. much. They're so supportive. Yeah. You can cry. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, they they really, um, you know, they, they were there for me at like my lowest point where I just really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I was just in a bad place emotionally, physically, uh, just all around mentally. And, um, you know, they gave me a little bit of time to kind of collect myself and, uh, you know, supported me going to art school and all this. They really supported me just being a weird little kid, <laughs> which, um, you know, they, they had to learn how to like deal with me being this weird little creative kid. Well, yeah, I can imagine like, you know, you have this constructed family and then all of a sudden you have someone who's like, I want to draw, you know, like, and then, or not exactly like that, but like, Basically. I want to create. <laughs> yeah. And then they're just kind of like, well, create this house, you know, or, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they were always, like, pushing me to, um, to like, try things and to do things and to, you know, really pushing a hard uh, worker's ethic of being, like, okay, how can I make money doing this? How can I be successful? How can I push myself forward? And, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, it's just now that I'm trying to really build up my own little like empire. I, I've kind of figured out what I want to do. I, uh, you know, I love creating this content. I would love to do freelancing and I see advertising in an agency as a stepping stone to being able to go off and do my own thing. You know, advertising in an agency, I'll finally be able to learn certain skills where I can go off on my own freelance and just do, create weird stuff as a career that would just make me so happy to just be consistently making stuff that confuses people and makes them ask questions or be like, what is this? Or just like delights them in some little way. I, I love to entertain people. I just, You're I You're really, very entertaining. <laughs> I really get a kick out of like people just uh, having this emotional reaction to something I did or uh, I was a part of. And, um, yeah, I, I love that kind of like behind the scenes kind of deal. I mean, a lot of my videos, um, I'm behind the camera and I'm talking about something or I'm just showing something. Um, I feel like the only time I was a piece of the content was like doing the half face thing I did. Yeah. Um, uh, for some context, I shaved the entire uh, right side of my body. I don't remember. I yeah. don't know. I shaved the entire. I shaved one. It was very shocking. Side. Yeah, you know, I just kind of like showed up. And well, because he didn't tell any of us, and then he just shows up, and and then he looks fine, and then he like takes his hoodie off, and like half of his face is gone. <laughs> and I remember I still had the eyebrow, and all of you were just like, "You you need to do the eyebrow." I didn't now. say that. Caroline said that. Caroline I did not say push that. Push you off the bridge. She's like, "Do it." Yeah. No, I did not say that. I was like mark yeah and uh that just kind of like turned into content and i was just like hey you know um i'm a bisexual man and i see a hole that could be filled with this stop don't look at me <laughs> i saw a um an area where i could create content that i think uh meant something to me like finally i could make something that was like personal to my story uh because there's a lot of people that don't believe in bisexuality because, yeah. you know, so many uh, young gay men say they're bisexual at first. Um, yeah. So it's so not to cut you off, but yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good like a part kind of in your story is that I think we have this conception now of like people that are bisexual of like they're confused or like they don't know, you know, and we're talking about adults, yeah. you know, and it's like, well, you know, Johnny, who's 30 years old, is not confused about being bisexual, you know, mm -hmm. um, 
And um, it's interesting because I think a lot of people are so supportive of like LGBT, you know, LGBTQ plus and all this stuff. But then there's like a, a certain letter in there that they don't agree with, you know, like. Um, yeah, gay and trans, there, there's no question. But bisexuality. Uh, it, well, it, I think it's more of lesbian and gay is no question. Because I remember. Lesbian, gays. At, I remember at a, a pride um parade there was like a big um there was a big trans community there that was like the t is not silent the t is you know um but i think as far as like bisexuality goes it's it's a, a part of for people that don't don't know i think it's a part of like you kind of have straight people that are like yeah up and odds about like bisexuality you know like they're like i understand the gay thing but the bi thing i just don't get and then you have a lot of gay men who have like maybe more personal experiences um like in my experience when i was like growing up i was I I was coming into like being a gay You were man. getting comfortable with Yeah, it. and so I think part of my transition into accepting the fact that I was a gay man was saying that I was bi, you know, because I remember telling my friends, like, I want to tell them something, but I don't want to just say the G word, you know? Yeah, you were um, kind of like transforming Yeah, so I'm like, into... I'm bi, you know? So that's what I said, and then I, you know, a couple years go by, and I'm like, I'm not bisexual, I am gay. Mm -hmm. Um... And so I think a lot of gay men kind of get that they have, I've talked to several other gay men that kind of had the same experience of the, the bi transition into becoming like gay. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of it's, it's, there's a lot of stigma in the community about like bisexuality's like validity. You I know, I remember a lot of people um, saying to me, you're holding on to your straightness or you're, you're trying to hold on to that, um, you know, majority normalcy kind of thing where it's just like you still want to hold on to your straight side because uh, you're, you're afraid of like going full gay and uh, that caused a lot of like internal conflict because I'm like am I just like lying to myself and I mm -hmm. don't even know but um, I, I feel like you do reach a point in adulthood where you just like no you know like I, I know how I feel yeah. and you know like I know where those feelings are coming from um, uh, and uh, thankfully I've been able to meet like other bisexual people and I'm just like, they do exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just in the media. And, uh, you know, it's just like lovely to have those conversations because it, it is really hard to do anything without a community. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think bisexuality, bisexuality is just an enigma to a lot of people. Um, just like how some homophobic people could never imagine being gay and some gay people could never imagine being um, heterosexual. It's just your brain, your mind isn't there. You know, yeah. that's not your thinking process. Your thinking process is um, your own. And it's very hard to like take yourself out of that and to put yourself in like the shoes of another or to accept someone else's reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, it's just I think I've kind of gotten to a point in my life where I'm like, you know, if somebody says that this is who they are and how they feel. OK, you know, like it's because sometimes it's just like. I'm not, you know, we're not, it's like everyday people. It's like, you're not a psychiatrist, you know, you're not a psychologist, Karen, like stop trying to figure out who this person is. And well, I think they just, you know, are. it's like, it's none of your business to think that anyway, you know, like, why can't you just take them for their word? Like, this is how I feel. This is who I feel like I am. This is who I am. And that's it. You know, instead of like, well, you know, I don't believe the whole thing. And it's like, you know, come on, man. Like, it's not gossip, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's really cool on your page what you did was kind of like talking about that, just kind of like bisexual awareness is what you were calling it on yeah. your platform, on, on your on your page, because it is important. And I think a lot of people who are kind of growing up and because uh, a lot of people identify, some people don't like the labels at all. Um, some people 
like the labels because it helps them kind of under it helps them maybe understand who they are, get a better grasp on who they are. Yeah. Um, and like you said before, like a lot of us want, we want a sense of community, Yeah. We you want know, community. like we want to feel like we're a part of, of an accepted group, you know? So, um, we want understanding. Yeah. We want people that like understand our thinking. Like, um, I mean, I, I just love those moments between us when we're both just like thinking the same thing or, uh, we're just like vibing on like the same wavelength. Um, just like that feeling of connectivity, when you know someone, someone's sexual attraction lines up with your own, you have those moments a lot more frequently. And uh, I think that's just like a very comfortable feeling. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a tree in the forest. You're just, you're among your kind. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to bring, while we're talking about bisexuality, I think it's interesting to bring up too, and I'm gonna please, like, don't come for me. Please don't come for me. I am, I try my best to understand things. I really, really do. But I think I asked you a question one time and I was, and I think I said, this is a dumb question. Um, and I was like, if you, because, so there's a part of me that's like, you, is it the type question? Like what's your type? No, 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 no. Um, which I'd love to hear that too. But, um, I'm, and if anyone's listening, I'm sure they would too. <laughs> but, um, but no, it was kind of like, I'm like, well, if you're bi and you have that attraction towards women, why wouldn't you just take the easy way out and just like only date women? And I asked that, I think because it was maybe a projection of myself being like, being like, oh, well, what if there was like some type of situation where you would not have to be harassed or, or anything like that for who you like love or whatever. And I, I was like, why don't you just, why don't you just, you know, just be with women and you're still attracted to them, you know, like, so you could, and that was a very ignorant question, but I think it's, that was like, and you kind of explained to me, you were like, because that's not who I am, yeah. you know? And I'm like, and cause a, that's I, I beautiful. Tried, also, I tried that, you yeah. know, I, I, I tried it for a while. Like I tried being honest with who I was and, um, being in a monogamous relationship. Uh, and it caused a lot of internal pain, uh, because, it wasn't who I was. It, 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 I wasn't able to really understand myself. Um, you know, sexual feeling is natural. It's like a hundred percent natural. Yeah. We, and we, we as a society need to stop making it so weird when people talk about sex or like, you know, it's like, it's so interesting how we have just made it taboo. You know, it's like, that's something we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. it, it's so natural. And it's also like so personal. Um, you know, you talk about attraction kinks, um, fetishes just your thing and um you know kink shaming was a big thing for a while people were talking about that and uh i think it's the same with like sexuality it, it really hurts when someone uh you know belittles you for the attraction you feel or questions your attraction to someone even if they're just trying to like understand it makes you feel like an oddity um, and that's why I really, I, I was actually very happy that that video blew up on TikTok and did so well was I was like, oh, and like bisexual people started reaching out to me and being like, Hey, this is like really cool. Like I was beginning to think I was like the only one. And, um, I did a series on Omegle. Omegle has been, um, a great way for me to create content, uh, especially like reaction videos. And I'm thinking about doing a YouTube channel where I post more of the long form content because especially with that bisexuality series, I, um, you know, I prefaced it. I like got on there and I like revealed I had shaved half my face and a lot of people's first question is like, why did you do this? And I had an answer. I was just like, I did this to raise awareness of male bisexuality. Um, 
because with I feel like male bisexuality gets a lot more um, shit than female bisexuality a lot of the time. Um, yeah. I, I, I've heard multiple gay men be like, yeah, women can be bisexual, but men can't be bisexual. And um, it was Not just me, for the record. I never said that. <laughs> yeah, that was, this was not Dustin. I literally never said this that. This was um, an older, uh, divorced and then married again gay man. He, mm-hmm. he was married with children, and he, he was just like, no, I was gay the whole time, and he was projecting that onto me. Yeah, well, see, the, I think that's where it comes from, is that like internal projection, and you're like, well, you know... Well, what about the, you know, and so it's interesting. I'm going to relate this to a, um, to an X-Men quote. Okay. Um, so there was a quote and I think X-Men too, that I've like thought of after I asked you that question, um, where it's like mystique. And then the guy's like, if you can turn into anyone, why wouldn't you like just turn into someone else all the time? And she's like, because we shouldn't have to. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, you shouldn't have to, you know, we, we shouldn't live in a society where it's like, if you don't, if you don't match the white picket fence reality, then you need to go be in this other reality, you know, or you need to go do that. You know, it's just like, why can't we all just kind of coexist yeah. and forcing, like the bumper sticker, forcing a, a square peg into a round hole really hurts. Uh, you know, <laughs> when you're trying to force yourself into a mold, uh, instead of just like being yourself. Yeah. Then, You're you like know. wiggling around right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I forget that this uh, is semi on video. Um, but yeah, when, like when you can't be yourself, it like really hurts, especially when you're forcing yourself to not really be something you're not, but, uh, to conform when you're like forcing yourself into a shape. Um, it, it like really hurts. And, um, you know, like I mentioned before, I, I was in a very lo- I had only been in uh, long-term monogamous uh, male-female relationships, but uh, it was when I got into college that I realized, like, uh, I am bisexual, like, I have an attraction to men and women, and I was able to be very open about that with my um, my ex-partner, um, but it's, I was monogamous, so I, I wasn't able to really explore those feelings and explore uh, deeper relationships with men like that, and that caused me a lot of internal pain. I think it's very dangerous to <laughs> settle down without fully exploring yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, well, at least for me, like, like we've been saying, like we can't, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to tell anyone how they're going to live their life, but yeah, I do think, people. yeah, I do get that. It's kind of like, you need to kind of, in, in my case and your case as well, like you yeah. mentioned, yeah, it's just kind of like you have to kind of have a grip of who you are before you're willing to change that to who you are is who we are, you yeah. know, because you become a we. You know, I wonder if my dad's going to hear this. I still haven't had that talk with my dad where I tell him I'm bisexual. My mother knows, which usually means that my dad knows. Like I had that conversation with my mother. I, I'm, comp- you know, I'm very like open about this stuff and I'm fine with it being recorded. Um, hell, this would be an easier way than actually like talking to him about <laughs> it. <laughs> I heard your program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if he doesn't know, he, he's a... <laughs> um, anyway. Anywho. Um, yeah. So uh, talking about like Back to content, um, I loved having those conversations with people on Omegle and um, being able to like record those honest reactions. Uh, there was a lot of positivity to the uh, bisexual. Also, um, later on, we I still had half my face shaved, so it's like, how can we conti- How can we use this for content? I mean, instead of just waiting for my hair to grow back, a friend of ours was like, "Hey, I want to paint half your face in makeup," and our friend Caroline was like, "Yeah." 
you know, let's let's do this. And she, she did a very good job. She actually. did an extremely good job. And I wore it, you know, throughout that night. <laughs> um, I just posted a video on my TikTok of uh, the live stream we did while we painted um, my face up on that on the half. And, um, you know, right after that, uh, I went and got cooked out cookout. Love uh, cookout. The woman at the cookout was like, I like half your face. <laughs> You're like, which half? She's like, I'll never tell. <laughs> no, how'd she put it? She said, uh, I like how you did half your face. Uh, and she's wonderful. I go to cookout too much. We, you know her. You're like, she's wonderful. She's the kids are great. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, she's great. her mom's and, doing better. It's yeah. like, yeah. Um, so I got such a good uh, reaction from talking about uh, bisexual awareness on Omegle. I took the um, the makeup and I'm like, I'm throwing this on Omegle too. Let's do some get some reactions on this. The reactions were like twice as extreme and people were incredibly supportive. Um, there were a lot of hateful and uh, mean people, but there was also like a lot of support on there. Mm -hmm. um, Omegle, it really should only be accessed by people who are mature enough to handle a lot of. Well, but also when you feel when you feel like you have the protection of like the keyboard and like you yeah, know, you're never gonna see this person. People are just like they'll say anything. You yeah. know, it's like when I if I'm face to face with you, like not being aggressive or anything, but if I'm face to face to you, are you really gonna be? Like, are you going to be that, like, demeaning in person? Yeah. But I just want to, like, preface talking about Omegle. It, it is not, like, a family-friendly <laughs> content space. It, it can be very aggressive. It can be very um, abrasive. It, it's a free-for-all. And um, you got to be careful on it. Um, Enter at your own risk. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to come on here and act like I'm doing an ad for Omegle because because I am not. See, you're the one who thinks about ads, and then we'll be watching. We'll be watching something, and then an ad will come on, and you're like, you know, I don't like that ad, or I like that ad. Yeah. I. I there's so much that goes into it. You know. You that we don't think about because we're just I, the way I'm consuming it is like mindless entertainment. You know. And there's not a credit scene. You know. You you go to the movies. You see that long list of credits of all the people that made this movie possible. But there's just as long of a credit scene for a 30-second commercial or a Super Bowl spot, maybe like twice as many people. Like there's so much thought that goes in behind it. There's so much craft that goes into behind behind it. It really is an art form that is not an art form. And that's why we need people like you because there are some commercials that I've seen and I'm like, this commercial is so bad that I'm not going to buy this product because the commercial was so bad. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, that's um, in part uh the client like the the companies well, also too it's like i see ads and i'm like i'm like i'm like how many people made this ad because this is bad like you know when you look at <laughs> too much I, input i'm not in issue. advertising you know and i'm not an expert on advertising or anything i've seen a couple seasons of mad men that's my experience um but sometimes i see them and i'm like how many people worked on this ad for it to be this like atrocious yeah the, the more people working on an ad uh the worse it can be a lot of the times um you know, the traditional advertising group is a copywriter and an art director, just like two people spitballing ideas. And then they take those ideas to a client um, who's basically put up a contract and it's like, this is our target. How are we going to sell shampoo to them? And mm -hmm. then you come up with your ideas and you're just like, this is our approach. Uh, do you like it? And whether or not they like it, I mean, they'll buy it if they like it. And, um, they don't always buy the best work. Yeah. No, I've, uh, I've heard that. I, I interviewed someone who worked in, um, uh, she's like the second episode, I think, or, or third or whatever, where she had kind of changed careers. And um, she worked in like the creative like art department at this like big company. 
Um, and she would tell me all the time about how she would go into a boardroom and be like, you know, we chose, she would, she would explain, we chose these colors for a reason. We chose this background for a reason. Yeah. Like, you know, everything is calculated to cater towards like the viewer that they're trying to target. And then she would say that some people would go in and just be like, no, we don't like that one. You know, and she's like, we just explained exactly why we did that that way. And then sometimes they're just like, yeah, I don't like it. Change the color, you know, and it's just kind of like it's where creativity and like, you know, the suits kind of meet, you yeah. know, and, and you kind of have to like, you know, it's two very different mindsets, you know. Yeah, it, it's kind of like hard to explain too, um, because so much of it is um, creative strategy and creative strategy is. uh the victim of personal preference a lot of the time you you really have to take yourself out of it and uh, look at the facts it, you know it's such an interesting industry uh, like i've always been in love with advertising because you can do anything and i think it's i see it as my personal responsibility to really engage and entertain if i'm going to create ads like i want to show you something you've never seen before and i want to shock you with it uh and not to like offend you but I want you to be like, wow. Well, yeah, and it's to do that with an ad is like, you know, sometimes you see an ad and you're like, that was really funny, you know, like, or mm -hmm. like, that was really, it's like, oh my God, the worst ones are the ASPCA one or the APCA ones, is that you the know, animal where it's the dog the and it's like in the arm. Yeah, and it's like Alyssa Milano and she's like, hi. Puppies you know, are dying. Uh, yeah, right I know. Now. I'm like, who did this? Like, this is so like, um, Anyway, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing, and, and I've worked with you on some of your ads, mm -hmm. and it was I think, a lot of fun. yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I think that you, I think you're going to do really well in it. I also want to say before we wrap, um, so I've known you for a little over a year, and I think kind of what you mentioned before, you mentioned it earlier about like kind of coming into like who you are now and mm -hmm. stuff. I think that you a year ago is very different from the you today. I think that you can really? clearly see, yeah, you kind of. You're, I think you've got a better head on your shoulders. I think you've kind of really figured out what you want to do and how you want to do it. And I think you're, I think you're going for it. And I think that, yeah, I think, um, I think a lot better late than never. Um, anyway, well, thank you, Mark. So let's do, so you mentioned your website earlier. Let's, what's your website? Yeah. Um, so my TikTok is Murped, M-U-R-P-E-D. You can find me on there. Uh, my website is markhasideas.com. You can see what spec advertising projects I'm coming up with. There's a lot of weirdness there. And my Instagram is murphymark, M-U-R-P-H-Y-M-A-R-K. Murphy Mark. All right, Mark Murphy. Murphy. Oh, shoot. Um, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I wanted it. to see if I could bend his mind. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, You're such a lovely person. Oh, go on. You have such kind <laughs> eyes. Your hair is like the uh -huh. McDonald's arches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not. It is kind of. A lot anyway. of work went into that logo. You should be complimented. All right. All right yeah. So okay, you think I'll about it differently. I'll stop talking. Anyway. All right. Just can, we're going to go off, uh, off, not camera, off of audio and then just continue to compliment me. Your eyebrows are okay, like all right. morning mist. Bye. Thank they you for listening. They gently go into the night. <laughs>